Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. The information in this podcast is provided for education and research information only. It is not a substitute for professional health advice. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Welcome, everyone. It's Bridget Maloney. Welcome back. I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney, and and we are discussing today a topic that is dear to my heart, bed rest. (laughs) In pregnancy, Pat. Oh. (laughs) I thought we were going to talk about me having some bed rest. All right, I'm going to give everyone a little home truth here. Uh, Pat gets up at 6 a.m., if not earlier, every morning, and he, and he either exercises or does a dog walk or something, but left to his own devices. You could sleep until well, midday. Well, you've got to catch up eventually. I think that uh, I, used to be, I used to be a better sleeper than I am now. So, look, this I thought we were talking about We're not. We're talking about bed rest for pregnant women, and... This is a really interesting one because you read all the time about people being told to have bed rest. Mm, and movies show women that have to have bed rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't think I've ever prescribed bed rest for anybody. Yes. So, um, so there's, some, there's a difference between what we commonly see and hear about and sometimes hear about from our patients and uh, situations where bed rest has actually been shown to be useful. Well, I this is a um, listener request mm-hmm. um, and uh, just came through our Instagram stories. So she was saying, you know, can you please just talk about bed rest yep. in pregnancy? Mm. And I wonder whether that particular listener was American or from somewhere else because it's not as common. We'll get into it, but it's not as common here in Australia, is it, for bed rest as a prescription? No. Well, I, I can't really speak for the rates for, from overseas, but I can tell you that Basically, it's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So in this episode on The Kick, uh, you will learn what is bed rest, why you might be recommended bed rest, how effective bed rest is in treating the condition you've been told to bed rest from, (laughs) Um, the impacts of bed rest, and questions to ask your provider about bed rest. Yep. All right, Patty. So I do, when you say you don't have the statistics about... um, the US, uh, I did get a statistic that said that 95 per, 95% of clinicians still use bed rest as a prescribed treatment in pregnancy. That's US. US. It's mm. interesting. I wonder what for, though. Yes. Like they're, not, they're not recommending it for 95% of women. They're, that's 95% of them are recommending it to some women. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Using yeah. it as part of their treatment plan. Part of their many yeah, yeah. treatments. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right, so why do you think they are prescribing uh, bed rest? Well, there are very, very few clinical situations in which I would recommend bed rest to anybody. And, of course, bed rest in pregnancy has risks that might that are probably worse than the risks of not, not utilising bed rest. Mm. Th- there's one situation that really comes to mind where... It, 
where I, I would think it's still legitimate, and that would be, um, you know, a situation of extreme prematurity, uh, pre-viable prematurity. So you're 22 weeks, you've had vaginal bleeding, doc puts in a speculum, and the cervix is four centimetres open and the membranes are bulging out. And you can look through the membranes and see a little fetal foot. But it was too early for baby to come out. Um, we need at least two weeks for viability, four more weeks for a decent chance at baby surviving, and six more weeks before we would be pretty confident that the baby would survive with that disability. So we won't keep that baby in there. Now, there is a technique to try and sort of sew the cervix closed after it started to open, called a rescue suture. But sometimes that's just not possible. The membranes are bulging right down, and you know if you start putting some stitches in that cervix, you'll probably pop the membranes and make it worse. So I would I would buy bed rest as a treatment for that patient, and even what's called Trendelenburg, which is head down and bum up, so mm. head rest with um, angled head down. And that might just help that baby stay in there for as long as we can. Mm. Uh, But if we look at some other situations like major placenta previa, so, you know, back in the day, if you you had a a bleed and an ultrasound showed you had a major previa, you were admitted to the hospital and prescribed bed rest for the rest of pregnancy. Well, not only did it not help, but it uh, would have given some of those women a deep venous thrombosis because they were already pregnant, so their blood was already a bit clotty. And then you combine that with prolonged inactivity and uh, you could get a, uh, a deep venous thrombosis or a pulmonary embolus made worse for a, all for a treatment that didn't work. Mm. Yeah. So in my uh, Googling, Dr. Google told me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's how you're preparing for these. No, yeah. just uh, because because I know that you don't have it as a prescription, mm. you know, but I have this question in front of me Good. saying... Good, far are, away. Yeah. What, oh, what other people have had it yeah. recommended? Good. Yeah. yeah. So other people recommend bed rest for these following uh, issues. So yep. preeclampsia. Can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned placenta previa. Good evidence that it doesn't help. Yeah. Preterm labour, we covered that. Well, that's sort of what I was talking about before. Yeah. So that's a, that's a maybe, that one. Yeah. Uh, cervical insufficiency, although all the up-to-date... Um, Websites, because I, you know, I only ever look at up-to-date ones, and and they're all they call that incompetence still. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, so so cervical incompetence makes it sound like it's your fault, yeah, or that or it's your cervix's fault. So cervical insufficiency is better language for that. Look, there's reasonable evidence that a stitch helps, and there's reasonable evidence that progesterone pessaries in the vaginal help in the vagina help, but next to no evidence that bed rest helps. Yeah. Uh, threatened miscarriage? Yeah. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work. Mm. No. Uh, plus, gosh, if threatened miscarriage is before 12 weeks, that's an awful long time in bed. Absolutely. A hugely, huge amount of time in bed. Plus, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to see how being horizontal instead of vertical would make any difference on just on face validity. Mm. You know what I mean? It just doesn't... Just, it's hard to imagine how that would help. No, we're just yeah. looking at gravity then, aren't we? <laughs> well, I think a lot of these are hangovers from the day when, we, when as doctors, we felt very frustrated by things we couldn't fix. Yes. So it always felt better to recommend something than nothing. Yes. And bed rest was something. Yeah. Turns out, though, it's not as safe as it looks. No. We'll yeah. get on to that. Yeah. Um, history of stillbirth. 
we don't know. Well, you know, in so many cases, we don't know why stillbirth occurred in the first place. So, yeah. Let's say it had nothing to do with uh, with that premature labour situation I was talking about before and was just like a term stillbirth with no explanation. It makes no sense whatsoever. No. Yeah. In fact, if, if, <laughs> if one of them was because of a growth-restricted baby or whatever and you're worried about the arteries and you're lying in bed all day, like nothing's helping that situation. Well, I don't, you, you know, we, we, like to, we like to have evidence, don't we? And, yeah. and there's certainly no evidence. Oh, good. There's my next one, poor fetal development. Yep, not um, working. And gestational diabetes. It's got to make it worse, doesn't it? Because part of gestational diabetes is, put it this way, your best shot of managing gestational diabetes without insulin is managing it through diet. So if we take in less energy and orally and expend more energy through exercise, then we're more likely to achieve a glucose balance that doesn't need insulin. Mm. So that's uh, bed rest got to make it worse. Yeah. yeah. And the percentage of women told to have bed rest was one in five at some point in their pregnancy. Very, very, very interesting. Everyone, Pat has got a complete look of disbelief <laughs> on his face. He's and, like, bat, 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 bat. And bafflement. <laughs> you know how sometimes you hear something that just doesn't make sense and you think there's part of this story missing, I'm missing something. Yeah. Here. But if it's as simple as that, then I think that that's not the answer. I think mm. that is too, way too much. I actually think it's quite patriarchal. You poor well, dear. You, you've got a disability. <laughs> you, you, you're pregnant. I think the best thing for you to do is just pop back into bed. Go to bed and stop annoying me. That, <laughs> could, that could be it. Mm. Yeah. Certainly in the age of evidence-based medicine, if we're going to do something as deeply intrusive as saying to someone you should go to bed for six months, mm. then uh, we really need a good idea, a good reason to do that. Yeah, because you know we can we can see how harmful it could be. Like, you know, if you're saying that sometimes you've, in the past, uh, a doctor might have got frustrated because they had nothing nothing to to advise or nothing yes. to help um, and say, so, well, you, at least it's harmless. Just why don't you have a little rest? Yep. It's not as harmless as what we think. No. So there are some things that have more face validity. Like, for example, if someone has recurrent bleeding in pregnancy that appears to always follow intercourse, then you could stop having intercourse for a while and see how that goes. Mm. If someone has lost a pregnancy before due to trauma, then it might be worth saying to that person, don't no contact sports. Oh, trauma from contact, not trauma in their life. No, no, trauma from, from yeah. yeah, like a external, like a car accident. Car accident, yeah. You might say, look, no contact sports, those sort of things. These are sensible interventions that that um, there might not be a ton of evidence to support the intervention, but it sounds like it should work. Mm. Uh, whereas um, the problem with bed rest is in a lot of these conditions, there doesn't even appear to be any reason why it would work. No. Yeah. And you've already mentioned blood clots. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've sort of skirted around it, but like if someone's in bed for six months, I mean, God, there's only so many Netflix uh, series you can watch. It'd well, that's, just... a, that's so the effect on your mental health is going to be terrible. Mm. Um, and then if you look at the blood clot situation, we think that pregnant women who are going to even be in the hospital for a few days in bed should have anticoagulation. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So that's an awful lot of Klexane injections Yeah. Um, if you're looking at a few months. You wonder if one in five are said to have bed rest, then whether they're getting Klexane. Well, yeah, they should be. They should be. But that's if bed rest is being prescribed. And yeah. the, big, the bigger question is whether bed rest is worth prescribing in the first place. That's right. And also just the 
I don't know, if you're working still and you've been told to bed rest, I often wonder what people do financially as well. Like oh, if, if disaster. The, yeah, yeah, if the pregnancy has meant that they've had to stop work because, you know, threatened miscarriage or whatever, mm. whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, that must be a very big strain. My patients fully expect to be able to work until about 36 weeks. Yeah. Some of them are really keen to work longer. And it's a surprise and a significant inconvenience and financial stress if they can't. Mm. Yeah. Can I say it's very hard to work up to 36 weeks? I found it very hard. <laughs> people, people do. People, they certainly plan to. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly plan to. And mm. sometimes it's a bit of a surprise by about 33 Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we've talked about what bed rest is. Let's have a little break and we'll come back because obviously you've said that you don't really believe in it as a treatment. So we want to talk about what to talk to your um, practitioner about if they've offered If it's been recommended. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right. See you soon. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. (laughs) We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant, in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. All right, everyone, welcome back. And we're talking about when you've been recommended to have bed rest. We're actually <laughs> really not that keen on bed rest. So. No, 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 not at all keen. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully listening to this podcast, somebody feels well informed about why bed rest perhaps isn't a good plan for them, mm-hmm. but say they've got a practitioner yeah. who is pushing them to have bed rest or all of a sudden someone suggested be- bed rest and they feel guilty if they don't rest. And, you know, on this podcast, we always are at pains not to stand between people listening and expert advice that they've been given. So we're not saying reject that advice. We're saying it might be worth asking, what is the evidence that bed rest, proper bed rest, not, I'm not talking about taking it easy, I'm talking about going to bed for weeks at a time, is going to actually help me. Yeah. They might ask, is that full bed rest or yep. do they need to just rest some parts of the day? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we're talking about, you know, yeah, putting my feet up a few times a day, which sounds like good advice for anyone in the third trimester. Yeah. Versus, um, yeah, actually being confined to bed. And at, in the first... Um, part, we talked about other options for different conditions. Yep. And, you know, you can go back and listen to the preeclampsia um, podcast that we've done, or placenta previa, or um, preterm birth. Yep. So go to, back and. To hear about evidence based treatments for those things that actually work. Yeah. Yeah. So, Patty, what other questions could they ask their practitioner? Well, I'm a 
great believer in in uh, knowing the risks of doing the proposed treatment versus the risks of doing nothing. Yeah. So if I had been prescribed bed rest for anything, I would be saying, well, what do you know? What do we as a scientific community know about the benefits of that? What are the risks of that? And how does that stack up with just doing nothing? Yeah. For the mother and the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And specifically, what are the what are the risks? What what could go wrong if I was doing bed rest that would not have gone wrong if I was mobile and active? Could they ask to see another expert, like a, a maternal fetal medicine specialist? Like we've talked a little bit about that. Like if they if if it was such a complex problem. Yes. No, I think that's a good point. Yeah, so if the problem is so complex, so rare and so um, unusually specific that that's being recommended, then that might be the sort of territory where you would get an opinion from a subspecialist like a maternal-fetal medicine specialist or even just a second obstetric opinion. Mm. You could also ask uh, for medical studies to show that it was worthwhile because we looked and guess how many we found? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually been looked at. Yeah, it's not like it's been. It's not like it's not like something has been ignored. It's just um, there, there's no conclusive evidence that it helps in the vast majority of those conditions. The lack of evidence when there's not not good evidence that it helps, then it's hard to recommend a treatment that is known to have risks. Mm. Yeah, because you might be making it worse. You might be making it worse. Mm. Yeah. All right, so um, maybe what you could do is just you know, rewind, fast forward, rewind, fast forward, like I do when I listen to some podcasts that I want to sort of write down their questions. Write down the questions that, that you feel comfortable asking your practitioner um, and at your next appointment, just just ask them all or send them, like you have people asking questions um, yep. Yep. to the reception, email. email yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, hope, I hope a very, very small number of people are being recommended for bed rest in the first place. I do too. In Australia, I think we're, we're all right. <laughs> Ah, dear. All right, so let's say absolutely the practitioner has said, nope, our policy is that this particular condition requires you to have bed rest, and if you don't have bed rest, then we won't, you know, we'll have it all over, do not consent all over your forms, or, you know, so um, go off and have your bed rest, please. What do you think someone can do when they're on bed rest? Like you're on an aeroplane, you know, wear the stockings. Oh, yeah. Be anticoagulated. Move around as much as you can in the bed in a way that's known to be safe. Uh, involve a you know, physiotherapist or some other hands-on therapist in your care. Massage, things to get circulation moving. Yeah. Some proactive interventions for your mental health. Yeah. Make sure your Netflix is paid up. Stan, Prime, all of the streaming services. I don't know. It's the same as, as sort of waiting waiting for the... Um, Pregnancy to end, you know, when you're waiting for your due date. Well, that's right. Yeah, Pre- yeah. Pregnant women are no strangers to waiting. Yeah. Mm. All right. And um, just our last question, Patty, what are the red flags if you're on bed rest? The major risk is deep venous thrombosis, and the symptoms of that are sudden unilateral leg pain, one sided leg pain, with associated stiffness and loss of function in that leg, and swelling mm. in that leg, and or shortness of breath. Okay. Sudden onset, deep uh, pulmonary embolus. And that's a, you know, they're symptoms that pregnant women should be aware of in the first place, but super duper aware of if you've been immobilised. Um, and also, I suppose, if you're in bed because of threatened preterm labour, just things like water's breaking or bleeding. Well, that's right, or, yeah. yeah. All, the, all the other issues that your um, doctor would have talked to you about. 
Good. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for that question. Um, thank you just for the disbelief on Pat's face. Well, it's a good one because, <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's not something that I've really come across. So it forced us to go to go and have a look and see whether this was actually something that was being being recommended in big numbers. Yeah. And to, to refresh our minds that that uh, it's not the benign intervention it it might it might at first appear to be. Yeah. Perfect. All right, everyone, we're going to move on to... Myth or fact? All right, Dr. Pat, if you eat right in your pregnancy, you won't get preeclampsia. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm not aware of any evidence that links diet to preeclampsia, except that practically every obstetric complication is more common in people who are significantly obese. Mm. So if you had a terrible diet contributing to your obesity, then that may may be indirectly true but th- there isn't a diet that is prevents preeclampsia yeah yeah i know i think people when they get diagnosed with something like preeclampsia think oh is there something that i can do or something that i no. did no. yeah if they work it out i'd like i'd like to know yeah, yeah. Um, we we don't really know what causes preeclampsia yeah all right people so that is another myth maybe we'll have to do a fact next <laughs> All right, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We really enjoy uh, your feedback and your company um, and we're grateful for your time um, and we hope you're learning lots as we go along. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right, bye for now. 